2: Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and the restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.
3: And now it's time for a hit and run
2: on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. And on the Marquee Sports Network, here's
3: Matt Spiegel.
4: It is indeed hit and run 670. The score is where you are. And I am uh, really proud, as always, to talk baseball in this unique two-team town. And it's really fun to do it, talking to you guys on the radio. And for this hour, talking to you on the television there on the Marquee Sports Network. We've got a couple of teams who are not playing as well as they had wanted to and yet are completely and utterly alive in their divisions because the divisions are gettable, folks. And that's true on both sides of town. It is certainly true on the north side of the town where White Sox, um, well, where the Cubs have split the first two in San Diego and find themselves five games back of the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers have a minus 23 run differential, and yet they are the first-place team In the National League Central as of right now after a six nothing loss last night the Cubs are back to a zero run differential dead even so does that mean replacement level baseball team right now they can be better than that what do they have to do to get better than that that's among the things we'll discuss with our next guest our first guest on this hour. And it is Cliff Floyd from the Marquee Sports Network who joins us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Good morning, Cliff. How are you?
3: Good morning, man. How you feeling?
4: Oh, man, I feel good. I feel good. It's a beautiful day here in Chicago. It it's a beautiful weekend. I refuse to let a sub-500 baseball city get me down. I refuse.
3: <laughs> Hey, you know what? It could be better. I feel you on that, though.
4: Yeah. Right. Well, sure, because you want to measure yourself against the very best in in baseball. You want to look at the great teams. Who is the best team in baseball yeah. right now that, that you've watched? When you watch around this league, um, who, who's the absolute cream of the crop, Cliff?
3: When you think about how Tampa Bay has played thus far, I mean, what are they sitting, 41-19, and 41-20? Yep. Um, you know, you look around the league and, uh, you know, you look for superstars all the time. You look for the names on the back of the jerseys. You look at San Diego and all the money they spent and, and, and where they are in the division. You're going, well, how the heck can that happen? Well, I mean, you, if you don't post and show up, you know, you'll end up being a sub-500 team. It's just what it is. So you look at Tampa and how they play and how they pitch. They do little things. They hit the ball at the ballpark. They, they put pressure on the defense. Um, the bullpen is solid. They, they, you know, they, they don't have that that next man up mentality. They actually take care of business whoever's in the box, whoever's on the mound. And to me, just, you know, not because they have the best worker. If you watch them play, you're always playing to their game. You're never, you know, in control when you're playing them. And I think that's the recipe for
4: success yeah it's amazing isn't it I, i've always felt like we've been lucky enough to watch a couple of rebuilds in this town with the cubs and then yeah. the white Sox, and you learn so much when you watch this stuff i feel like the team at the end of a rebuild is a result of how you as an organization scout draft teach and develop and Tampa, I agree, right and tampa I agree. tampa is always always rebuilding they're like, because they have to, because the money, they constantly have to scout, draft, teach, and develop, and they do that so well that everybody they put out there just knows what the hell they're doing. It's amazing.
3: And you know what? I, I, you know, when they had their um, analytical department in Port Charlotte before the storm beat it up and they had to move around, I went upstairs um, doing, you know, I went there for spring training. I went up there upstairs to sort of see how they go about their business. They had about 50 to 60 people up there working. And my point is they're not just sitting up there, you know, messing around, you know, not doing what they're supposed to do. They have a team that's that's orchestrated to be – like, look, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to go about it. If we feel this guy is not going to be, you know, somebody we can count on two, three, you know, years down the line, they're gone. And they are rebuilding, but they're rebuilding with solid talent that's going out there and consistently, getting it done day in, mm-hmm. day out. It's it's like I've always said about Tampa. It's like the Tesla. they like Tesla. Like it's like they're <laughs> they have the blueprint. And it's like everybody's trying to duplicate it, but you know, and it's like hard to do because if you look around the league, look how many managers and coaches have been through Tampa that's managing in the game today.
4: Yes, if you look sir. around the league, they're everywhere. Yeah, they're, yes, yes, they are. It's a Thornwood High School graduate, Cliff Floyd. I rode around in a Tesla in Chicago the other night. It was an Uber driver, but I still rode in it, and it was nice. Yep. Oh man, nice, those things—they're right? nice. It's the—it's the. You it's the... know how to freaking open the door? I'm like <laughs> sitting there. Dude's like, look,
3: dude's looking at me like, "Are you serious?" I'm like, "Bro, I don't know how to open it."
4: Which where exactly? Where do I put my hand and have it magically do it's, They're the they're the they're the, they're the Tampa Bay Rays of automobiles. It's exactly right. Um, as I'm watching you, Darvish, just dominate last night. It's just, he's so much fun to watch. If you're looking at like the pitch mix, dude has like six or seven pitches, can manipulate everything to change the speed, to change the shape of it. He's been throwing the two, the two seam fastball, the sinker cliff, like 10% of the time this year. Last night, he threw it more than one third of the time. That, that must be well, nice. That must be nice to just change your mix like that. It's crazy, isn't it?
3: Well, you know, the biggest thing with you, Darvish, I think that's his problem. Believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Well, you think about his last four starts, he sat on air last night. When you think about his clunker he threw against the Yankees, gave up seven runs, you're saying, well, what's going on? Sometimes he gets way too cute and tries to do too much and overthinks the situation. And that, for me, as a hitter, we're waiting on that opportunity. We're waiting for him to do some of the things uh, that he did in his last start because his mistakes are right down the middle. And he's too good for that. When, when you watch him last night, that's the U Darvish um, that, that can, you know, go out there and, and, and stop a, a losing streak or be that guy that can carry a team. But if, if, if he's going to go out there and try to throw certain pitches when, you know, maybe, um, you know, he shouldn't or maybe, you know, it's not feeling like he has the confidence off the fingertips, he's going to get beat around. And last night he stayed true to his stuff. Uh, his, his, his ball was moving all over the place. And he was successful. It, it's 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 kind of like that simple. When when you think about the game, as you watch it one through nine, and watch how certain guys 0-2 and certain counts, you're going, why would you throw a, a, any other pitch than what you've had the first two to be successful? Hmm. And and you see it all, you know, you see it all around league consistently. And that's how it. That's how hitters eat.
4: Did you um? Was there a pitcher w- when you were hitting Cliff um? Who reminds you of that? Somebody who just had so many toys at his disposal and could get himself in trouble. I'm trying to remember how much you faced David Cohn. Because Cohn was a guy. Face, I faced
3: not face Coney a lot. You know the guy who I thought was was way too cute at times was Ho Park. And I hit him well. Wow. And I used to think to myself, why would you throw me anything other than that split? I swing at it every time. Every time he threw it, I swung at it. But he never threw it because I hit his fastball. And I was saying, you know, it's just certain guys come to you and, and you just think out, you know, you're thinking out loud on the fly, and you, you, you send yourself, this is how you make your money. This is why guys get $300 million de- dollar deals as hitters, because pitchers are overthinking situations. You're, you're you're sitting there going, I probably shouldn't throw this pitch, but I'm going to throw it away just in case he doesn't hit it, and he hits it 500 feet. You know, oh, well, next time. Well, I do next time. You know what I mean? So it, it, it's just certain dudes come to mind, and there's a lot of pitchers that, that just eats you up consistently. I can go through that list as well. Mm-hmm. But it's just the ones that, you know, you kind of wake up on that day where you might not be feeling good and you're hoping you can face a guy that you see really well because you know for a fact he's going to make mistakes. Um, and so last night, if I was a Cubs hitter, I would have had to think that Udara's going to make mistakes and then he didn't. And then you see what the outcome was.
4: Yes. Well, that's the thing. And and David Ross talked about it last night, that he had that fastball going and that all the lefties, he loaded up the lineup with lefties, Um, Mastroboni leading off, had Edwin Rios in there, along with Mervis and Barnhart at the bottom of the order. And, you know, at, at some very specific lineup switches to try and get something going but then that, two, that that fastball being there, it, it just froze those lefties one after another, right? Were they all sitting there waiting for junk, waiting for him to choose something else, and he didn't?
3: You know, you, you know what it was to me when I was watching? It was the difference of, of his location of the fastball, right? So, so the fastball can have late life. It can have all the things. It can cut. It can do all these things. But if you locate nothing, it's going to be a tough night for hitters, bottom line. And, and mm-hmm. you, if you look at the night before – look what he was doing. He elevated his fastball, he was able to get his cutter off the plate, and he dissected a lineup that should probably...
1: As we
5: turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart-healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to 11 grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving made with natural ingredients hero bread supports gut health promotes weight management and helps maintain blood sugar all with no compromise on the taste texture and bready goodness you expect from your favorites Now, they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil, an antioxidant-rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease. Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at hero.co. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at hero.co.
2: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places?
3: Have beat him up when you think about how Jameson's been this season, right? So, you know, it's just all about when guys can locate, you get into a good rhythm, and then the confidence goes along with the rhythm, and you have a good outcome. It's just that's the game. So, I try to keep it simple. Mm-hmm. I try to make sure I, I, I watch it and, and sort of see why, well, why was Udaris so, you know, so diamond last night? And I looked at his last start against the Yankees, total different location of pitches and how he. He sort of went out there and went about his game.
4: Man. And that's when I dropped him in fantasy baseball after that start. <laughs> <laughs> and then here I am. Here I am last night. Although I don't like starting people against the Cubs, it's tricky, man. Do you, do you play fantasy baseball? Do you ever do any of that stuff? No.
3: I, I, I used to enjoy, I love playing fantasy football. Yeah. So I got the, you know, I got the mindset and you sit there every, you see baseball is different than football because you got every week, but yeah. baseball is daily, man. And, and that, that just gives me a headache in itself. Oh,
4: I love it. It, it helps me, helps me follow the league and look around the league oh, and every, every morning I give it like a little 10 minutes. I see who I, maybe I should pick up and do stuff like that. I have no Yankees though. I would rather, I would rather lose in fantasy baseball with no Yankees cliff than win with Yankees on my team. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Uh, born and bred a Red Sox fan. My dad yeah. was a Ted Williams guy in 1941. My whole family was Red Sox fans. It's just it it's still in there, dude. I'm in my 50s and I still hate them to my core. I it's just yeah man. So and hey. and, and, and you know what? I kind of like it because it's like we work in this business. We got to hold on to something that keeps us a fan, right?
3: No, I feel you. You know the crazy thing is, is here in Chicago, yes, I got sir. a lot of friends that are White Sox fans. And I grew up as a White Sox fan, you know, being from here. And the only reason I grew up as a White Sox fan, even though I love my Cubbies, um, you know, my certain players on the Cubbies, it was because the Cubs played day games. And as a kid, what kid was in the house at one twenty, two twenty, watching baseball? Right, we was out in the streets, right. So all my right, we was down the streets messing around, playing ball, doing whatever the summertime. Yeah. But when you think about. You know, when you think about, like, my idol was Harold Baines. And and, and now when I, when I, you know, ask my boys, I'm like, yo, Cubs in town, won't y'all come to a game? Never. I'm like, what do you mean never? I mean, it's just a baseball game. You're in Chicago. It's like, nope. It's like they stick to their guns. They're not
4: doing it. Yeah. And it's so weird to me. There's, you know what I mean? It's just weird. It's crazy. I know, but it, it's like if there's some. Sometimes you're born into it or you get raised into it, and it just feels right. You know, it's an interesting thing. I, I love that, that you're a Chicago guy um, who's now back here and working in baseball. I, I had a conversation with LaTroy Hawkins. You know LaTroy? You must. Of course I do. Yeah. I mean, such a good dude, LaTroy. And like, He's one, he came home from school, and I guess he didn't go out in the streets because he said he would come home from school and watch Lee Smith saving games at Wrigley. And that's what made him want to be a big league pitcher and what he would dream about. So it's like, it's got to be pretty cool for you, Cliff, to be part of the kind of this massive lineage of of players who grew up playing here, and now you get to talk about the games here. It's got to be pretty special.
3: It is unbelievable, I'm telling you. It's something that... um... You know, you don't, you can't, I don't know if I, I never thought I would be doing this first and foremost. Um, I enjoy it because it does stimulate my mind. It keeps me in the game. It keeps me vibrant. Yep. Um, it keeps me, you know, it keeps me having fun. And, 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 you know, I always say, if I'm not enjoying it, I'll probably stop or, you know, it, you know, I mean, because you are going to hear um, you are going to hear it and how you prepare And then that was the one thing that made me challenge myself coming back to the house was like, look, you know, you, you know, you got my my boys hit me up when when things are going bad and go, hey, you better stay something tonight. And I'm like, oh boy, you know, don't happen nowhere else, you know, mm-hmm. because when you come back home, that's what it's all about. Your, your your boys that you grew up with, um, you know, loving on you and 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 you getting a chance to see all all the people you 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 know you started this thing with, and that's the fun part for me. So mm-hmm. you know, coming over here, I I get a chance to enjoy Wrigleyville. I get a chance to see how it really goes down. I walk to the park every day. And it's just been fun. I just hope they can get this thing right, man, because when it's when it's right, like it was in April, Wrigleyville yeah. is popping.
4: Yeah. It's it's, it's there, there's nothing like it. There, there well there's and, and there's nothing like a hot baseball team in general. There, there's just it it because it feels like somebody different every day and it's yep. just it, it can be very, very special. You'll see Cliff Floyd on pregame with uh With Cole Wright uh, later on today, Uh, Cliff and Cole at 3.30 on Marquee, and then Boog and Rick Sutcliffe on the call uh, from out west. A couple more minutes with Cliff Floyd. Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run on 670 The Score and on the Marquee Sports Network. Before I let you go, one of my favorite things in baseball, Cliff, is like it's kind of just the sort of the generational uh, tradition of being good to younger teammates and then those younger teammates growing up to be good to their younger teammates. And I wanted to ask you for an older teammate who helped you out as a young ball player first. Just give me an old head who was like, man, that guy's cool. He doesn't make me feel bad. In fact, he's helping me be the best I can be. Give me one one person like that.
3: Right off the rip, I mean, I had a ton. I started in Montreal. And real quick, I'll yep. tell you, I had Larry Walker, Marquise Grissom. I had all the dudes. Hmm. Tim Spear, I can go down the list. Kenny Hill, but the one dude – um, that I love to this day, and I always treasure every everything about how he took care of your boy uh Randy Milligan, the moose. And if y'all don't know Randy Milligan, he was a first baseman. Um, he was playing in front of me in Montreal. And then Felipe was like, hey, we're going to get you in there first. And Randy Milligan took me under his wing and just I, – I don't even know how to – I don't know how to describe how, how, how good he treated me and how he took, like, he was like, hey, let me look to your first baseman commit. mitt. First baseman glove that he thought was too small. Try this one. Um, hey, your backhands are, you know, you're you going, you're stabbing at the backhands. Why not you get out here and work on a few of these backhands with me and I'm going to show you something, you know, that's going to help you with your backhands. And I I just thought, I need to bottle this up right here wow and pass this along every single time I get a chance. And that was the one reason um, i always try to take a dude under my wing and say, hey, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but you're going to make time for yourself away from all this hoopla to be the player you need to be every day. Wow. And that's, to me, the most important thing you can take from this game is why you enjoy and you go out there and make a ton of money is make your teammates better. Help, help, you know, help dudes have longevity in the sport, and that, that in itself, is something you you treasure for the rest of your 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 career and your life.
4: Yeah, I mean, what what a what a beautiful lesson to get to get taught in that way, and then you get to carry it on. All right, I'm looking at Randy Milligan. I remember the name, but I didn't I didn't remember uh, the face. And now I'm looking, and you know what's interesting? He almost won the triple crown in the International League in 1987. Just a dominant yep. dominant player in the minors. And then he doesn't have a major league career that lives up to that, but that didn't make him a bitter guy, huh? Made him a, a – you know,
3: you know what's crazy is we get caught up in, like, guys having to be superstars all the time.
4: Right. Like, how
3: about just play a long time, the Todd Pratt's of the world, caught forever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When you yes! start throwing names out there. Yes. You know what? I don't care. Because on the other side, you see these dudes, and you're like, damn, Todd Pratt has been around 15 years because you can be quiet. And you go out there and do your game. You play day game at the night game because yeah. you know your starting catcher is gonna, you know, not play. Yeah. You play against a tough like right like Todd Pratt got like Randy Johnson and, and, and John Smoltz like that's who he got.
4: Yeah, I you mean, know, uh, Moose got that. Yeah, let me know? let me tell you, Cliff. Um, you, you might not know much about me, but I come to work. Hoping to get a mention of Todd Pratt that makes me smile. Just like random ball player from my youth or my head just spinning around. That's the stuff that keeps me going, Cliff Floyd. That is my lifeblood.
3: Man, that that's what it's all about. Like you, you watch these dudes. If you watch the game, yes. You see how dudes stay around, you're like, all right, if yes, I can just be quiet and go about my business. I can get 17, 18 years in. And yeah. everybody goes, well, I tell people I play 17 years. They go, what? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, because I didn't say much. I just went out there <laughs> and tried to play.
4: Yeah, know? but you said stuff to teammates. All right, so Randy Milligan, Moose on the front end, and then you, maybe in some of those final uh, of the 17 years, you know, maybe it's year 14, 15, 16, 17, a young player who was open to what you could offer that you feel like you passed it down to a little bit.
3: Oh, David Wright. Wow. Yeah. That's like, cool. Like like David Wright, I mean, I did everything possible to make him forget that he played in New York. If you if you could you know, if you really, you know
0: Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tecovas.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west.
6: It's that time of year. Cash the Ticket, Jim Costa with Mike Valeni. We shift the focus from football to college hoops, getting us ready for the tournament where we're going to break down all the matchups and have an eye on some future plays too.
3: Search Cash the Ticket on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Can go that route and be like, "Hey, what did you do?" And I and look, I told him when he got there, I said, "Hey, this is your city. You're the poster child of what they. You're, you're good looking. Yeah. You're good. <laughs> you know. Um, you know. You 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 gonna you going you gonna do all the things that 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 the organization wants you to do, and the fans are gonna do. You you know. You got a good head on your shoulders. Um, all these things. But the one thing I told him, I said, if you fake the work." And fake the funk here, they're going to call you out. You're not going to be that dude. Hmm. So run hard, work smart, and, and be a star. And, and he took it, ran with it. And look, I'm patting myself on the back. That was what I was supposed to do.
4: Yeah, that's, you know? that's beautiful. And, and that's what it's about. Yeah, that that is what it's about. Um, that's that's great, great stuff. Uh, Cliff Floyd, as we let you go here, um, this Cubs team has a bunch of dudes who have the right mindset and play like that, and talk to each other like that. It's in that clubhouse. Kenny Rosenthal tried to quantify team chemistry in an article in April as he was talking about it, and now as they've hit tough times, that stuff can still matter, right? It can, hopefully, it'll help bring them out of of whatever.
3: One hundred it matters. Yeah, but they got it. But you know, you, you got to play the game like you and I and like everybody's listening has seen them play in April. If you're not running, if you're not doing some of the things that we saw this team do early, it's gonna be hard to keep that mentality that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You, you you have to play that way. I know Nico is dealing with the hamstring and getting back on his feet. But he is a table setter that I thought was going to be the game changer of the season. And I'm not saying he isn't. What I'm saying is if this team is not going to run and do some of the things because while Wisdom has 14 homers, Morrell has nine, it, we're not hitting the ball at the ballpark consistently. So you're going to have to figure out a way to manufacture and as a, as, a, as a group come together. And as you mentioned before we came on, you're only five out. Yep. So you, you can overcome the Reds and the Pirates if you do some of the things that you did in April that, that we saw as like, whoa, this could be a different season.
4: Yeah. Cliff Floyd, an absolute pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Uh, look forward to talking to you again sometime. A, and we'll watch you on Marquee at
3: 3.30. My man, thanks for having
4: me. Bro. You got it. You got it. That's Cliff Floyd joining us right here on 670 The Score uh, with hit and run, me, Matt Spiegel. Some good stuff there. I mean, obviously, a lot of good stuff. Cliff is a, is a really thoughtful, smart, excellent dude, as you can tell. Um, Nico started out a house of fire on the stolen bases. And was on pace for 80 at one point, as we mentioned to him on the Parkinson Spiegel show, and has not been as aggressive of late. And it's interesting to hear Cliff call that out. And really what he's talking about is small ball and manufacturing runs, being aggressive, taking every 90 feet. I'll tell you this much. uh, I had the good fortune to be in the radio booth last Sunday, on the score and the Chicago Cubs radio network doing pre and post and doing the fifth inning of play-by-play and sitting up there watching the Reds play and talking to Ron Coomer who's watching all weekend and you could hear it in Coombs broadcast as well and obviously you heard it in in some of the marquee guys as they would talk. That Reds team, that is a young, aggressive, athletic, fast, energetic team that took every 90 feet that was available to them at all times. Kind of the way that the Cleveland Guardians played last year, and perhaps they're still playing this year, but they're not producing enough um, in terms of uh, of at the plate to really be as consequential as, as they have been. But man, watching that Reds team play that way, I hear you, Cliff. The Cubs team does need to play more that way. Texters are getting in. 312 644 6767 Speaks, I heard you say you grew up a Red Sox fan. Now you've been in Chicago for decades. Yeah, 30 seasons in Chicago. I wanted to ask this question to someone whose opinion I do respect Fenway or Wrigley. See, now that is tough. But the answer is Wrigley. Fenway holds a romantic place because of how I grew up and kind of my personal baseball origin story. And I went there for 20 to 25 games a year between 88 and 92 saw Nolan Ryan versus Roger Clemens at Fenway park sitting under the diamond vision in center field, as far away as you can possibly be, but it's still one of the three greatest ball games I've ever seen. Um, and then Fenway redid all their stuff. And now Chicago has followed the lead and they did follow the Fenway remodel, but you know what they did in Chicago? They made it way more comfortable than Fenway. Fenway is still deeply uncomfortable. The rows are too long. It's hard to get out. The seats are too narrow for people of various levels of girth. Um, it's, it, is not, it is very inconvenient. There is a magic and mystique to it still, but that magic and mystique is at Wrigley as well. And in terms of comfort and ease and uh, joy of attendance wrigley beats fenway in my opinion uh 670 the score is where you are matt spiegel is who you're with um joe buck talking about broadcasting is really worth your time and i want to also talk about a new cub who's up back once again with the ball club and also later on in the hour mike talkman will join us here on 670 the score on hit and run also live on the marquee sports network hit and run with matt spiegel sundays 9 a.m to noon you were singing on the broadcast afterwards. How would you rate your singing skills compared to your hitting skills?
6: Well, I, I,
2: I go 20 or 10. I'm not the best singer, but singing that song, it's everything, you know, like in front of the fans and watching that. This is insane. Really feel electric.
3: Hit and Run with Matt Spiegel, Sundays,
4: 9 a.m. to noon. That was Miguel Amaya talking about that viral moment that happened. When he was singing Go Cubs Go on the postgame. So cool. Miguel Amaya is back up. He is in San Diego with the Cubs and deservedly so. That guy was one time thought to be the catcher of the future for the Cubs and indeed was sidetracked by a ton of injuries. Some big, big problems that uh, Miguel Amaya has had physically and overall on the season, though, he's been really, really good through 28 games between double A and now triple A this season. He's hit 294 with a 996 OPS. And while he's been at Iowa for 15 games, a 313 average, 450 on base, 479 slugging, six extra base hits, 10 RBI, 11 walks in 50 games. With Iowa, and in those six games where he was here with the Cubs, he didn't uh, produce a lot offensively, but he hit the ball hard, and the pitchers pitched well. A two three two ERA for the pitchers of the Cubs while Miguel Amaya was behind the plate up here in Chicago. Here's David Ross talking about Miguel Amaya's uh, chance to come back when Justin Steele went on the injured list. Miggy
7: earned the ability to get another call up. With, with how he performed last time, putting himself on the map and filling in while Jan was down was, was really important, and he he did a really nice job of um, coming in and proving uh, what we believed for a long time, and uh, he's well on his tr- uh, on his way to, to being an everyday big leaguer and just a, another opportunity that he presented himself for him to come in and help impact us win, win ball
4: games. So Miguel Amaya here now as a third catcher and a right-handed bat and maybe – um, maybe that's something they were going to do, even if Justin Steele had not gotten hurt, but he did. Um, wanted to tell you about something that I just launched this past week that I'm super excited about. And that is a new podcast with Odyssey that you can find called the PBP and PBP stands for play by play. I know there's a lot of listeners out there who I'm sure are familiar that, that about three years ago, I got the chance to start doing pre and post on the Cubs radio broadcasts, And then they let me do the fifth inning. Pretty much because Danny Parkins lobbied for it live on the air and Mitch Rosen called and immediately acquiesced. So a a shout-out for Danny. It's true. True story. But whatever. However you get your shot, you get your shot. Right? It's like Johan Moncada said yesterday about the White Sox winning on a second wild pitch to produce a second run. He said, everything they want to give us, we'll take take it. You just take what – if you get an opportunity, you run with it. So – I have now done, at this point, 12 innings of Major League Baseball regular season play-by-play, stretched out over 12 games over the course of three years, which is an insane way to enter the world of Major League Baseball play-by-play. But I'm a broadcaster. I'm an entertainer. So how hard could it be? The answer is extremely hard. It's very hard. It's, it's, it's extremely hard. Thank you, Ron Washington. So um, I've been fascinated by it as I've worked to be any good at it at all, I've been fascinated by it and I've delved into it. And along the way, I've gotten incredible advice from some serious broadcasters who have been very kind Principal among them. My good friend and bass player, my band mate, Len Casper, um, Jason Bonetti, uh, Pat Hughes, um, Boog Shambi, uh, and Joe Buck uh, have been incredibly helpful, giving me great advice. And I realized I wanted to delve deep into the world of play-by-play and figure out why I'm fascinated by it on a personal level and figure out how the very best in the world do it. And I looked around and I realized there's no podcast or no radio show that really does that. So I launched one. It's called The PBP. You can find it on Apple Podcasts. You can find it on Odyssey. You can find it anywhere you get your podcast. Google as well, The PBP for play-by-play. And episode one dropped this past week, and the first guest is Joe Buck. And every week I will have a little bit at the top where I talk about a certain aspect of play-by-play and what fascinates me about it, and then there's a conversation. So, um, and we as a partner with Odyssey and with Major League Baseball uh, get to use some audio clips of whatever they've done. So, Sean, you went and grabbed this, right? Because at the end of the Buck uh, episode, which is about 45 minutes long, I asked him about a couple of specific moments and he was able to talk about it. Which which one is this is the one about his dad. Is that right? Right. So this is him trying to mimic the cadence of his father's iconic call. We'll see you tonight. Tomorrow night. So here that is. I got to tell you, you know, as obviously um, the bond with, with you and your pops and the game is so obvious in, in everything that you do and the way that you talk about it and feel it. I think one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard a broadcaster do is you connecting you and your pops, and Kirby Puckett, and David Freeze, with, and we'll see you tomorrow night. And I don't, and I know you've told the story before, but the fact that that was like just in your back pocket, and did did producers know it was coming? Did no, I didn't did know, it know it was coming. I, we somebody had
6: mentioned it to me before that game. It was a game six, and it was like, hey, you know, twenty years ago, almost to the day. Kirby Puckett hit that home run. Into deep left center from Mitchell, and we'll see you tomorrow night. And so my mind is going to my dad making that call in Minnesota, which was a tough call because that the top of the wall is plexiglass at the old <laughs> Metrodome, and it's like, did that go out or not? And they got Homer hankies and everything else, and it's a white ball. And then, you know, it was hit by a St. Louis kid, David Freeze. It forced a game seven, and it was just an unbelievable game because the Cardinals were down to their last strike twice prior to that, just to get to that moment. But
4: nobody knew it. It was it was in your back pocket, or you had you. It was a rolling around. No,
6: I mean it had rolled around there before. I used it the year that he died in two thousand two in Game Six at the end of Game Six between the Angels and the Giants as a tip of the cap to my dad. And then it happened in 2011. And it was like, okay, I'm, as I've told you, I'm not doing the Jack Buck cover band stuff, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna retire any of that stuff now because it just was, was the right time to do it. Some people hated me doing it, but I, it was like, I, I, I tried to do it too. That was at the end of the year. I had a paralyzed vocal cord. I tried to do it with the same cadence that my dad did it because I had heard that call so many times. It was a direct – it wasn't like, here's a fly ball to center field. We'll see you tomorrow night. (laughs) It was – Freeze hits it in the air to center. We will see you tomorrow night. And so I wanted to not only say the same words,
4: but I wanted to do it the way he did it. And we'll see you tomorrow night. Yeah. You were, it's not a Jack Buck cover band. It's a Jack Buck tribute band. There it is. Point, you know, yes,
6: like Dread Zeppelin for Led yeah.
4: Zeppelin. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, man. That, I just, I just think it's, it's such a beautiful and elegant and understated moment. Cause if you knew, you knew. And if you didn't, you didn't, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a hell of a thing. And that um, goes
6: back to what I just said before that. Cause it's like, there's nothing to say after that. It, it's not, it could be anything home run. Game seven coming up or whatever, but the crowd, I mean, the booth was shaking There are times where in the right circumstance, the actual architecture of the stadium you're in is under duress because the booth will bounce or whatever. And it's like, man, this, this is, what are you going to say over that? I Uh, mean, they just enjoy it. So it's, it's okay to not talk.
4: It's Joe Buck on my podcast, the PBP. Um, It's The whole thing's worth a listen, in my opinion, not just because I made it, but he talks about silence, and there's an all-star game that he did for Fox that uh, he was silent during a big, big moment, and uh, producer Ryan Porth did a really nice job of putting that in there. Um, And cutting it in a way that you understand what's going on. So, if you're into baseball play by play, if you've ever felt a connection to it, been something that you listen to a lot or watch a lot and are interested in, come take a deep dive with me because I'm lucky enough to be both a student of it and a very, very part time practitioner of it as well. Mike Talkman of the Cubs will join us next here on 670 The Score. This is Hit and Run. At Spiegel Sundays 9 a.m. to noon. Kip from Palatine got a chance yesterday to play at Wrigley Field for the first time. First time he'd been on the
3: field in a baseball capacity at the charity event the other night. That's over. Beatty into left field. In the score is Seah. And Topman with his second hit. And that one gives the Cubs the lead. Well, J.D., I
6: think
4: you nicknamed him the Palatine Pounder. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Palatine Pounder himself is on the score. He's on hit and run right now. Oh, my God, this is awesome. Mike Talkman joins us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. It's me, Matt Spiegel, here with you on the score. And Mike Talkman, welcome to the show. How are you, sir?
7: Doing well. Thanks for having
4: me. You got it. Are you okay with the Palatine Pounder? Have you heard that? Are you all right with that as a possible nickname? That's from Jim Deshays. <laughs>
7: um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that one. But, uh...
4: <laughs> I know. I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. You're not necessarily a pounder as a hitter, but it's just – it's alliteration, right? What I didn't know was if other people in Palatine would you would be okay with you being the official pounder of Palatine? Like, there's probably somebody else who, who might. Yeah,
7: want. yeah. There's there's probably someone else that that that's heard that one before. It's not bad
4: though. Not bad, all told. Well, I, I mean, congrats on being here and the the way that you have battled to stay in the big leagues, and here you are uh, having a really. Really good moment, playing a lot and looking good at the plate and obviously good in the field as you have your entire career at multiple stops. You enjoying this this moment here with the Cubs?
7: Yeah, it's been great. You know, um, it's a good group, and, uh, you know, it's a lot of guys that are, um, you know, out there with something to prove and, and, and trying to compete, you know, hard every day, and um, it's just, you know, it's been great so far.
4: Good, good. Uh, from Fremd High School, I have to tell you that a texter earlier says it is your freshman biology teacher, uh, Mr. Graba. Mr. Graba. Is that name ring a bell? Is that indeed your freshman it biology? Does, yeah. 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 So he was, yeah. <laughs> that's that is among the many listeners. Have you, have you been in, have you had lots of folks uh, from, from your youth and, and from your family coming out to games and stuff?
7: Uh, I had some, some friends and family uh, kind of, during the homestand, uh which was nice and um you know uh had a lot of support um from them throughout my career so uh for them to get to come out was was pretty awesome
4: and that that that's great uh, what was it what was it like playing in japan uh last year mike
7: um i was in Korea last year. I couldn't oh. tell you much about Japan. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, man. It's was pretty cool, though. Oh, no, it's all good. It's no, all good. no, it isn't. That's uh, embarrassing.
4: Good, good shot by you. I deserve that. My bad. So, yeah. It, it, oh, it, it, no, it's all good. But, yeah.
7: uh, um, Korea was cool. It was, um, you know, that was like my first time ever being to an Asian country. And uh, it was a really positive experience uh, that I got to have. And, um, you know, it was just kind of something completely new. And it was, you know, just me and my wife out there. So we had to kind of navigate that and 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 learn how to do different things and um you know it was awesome it's you know some not a lot of people get to experience living in another country
4: yeah no for sure did, did you um did you have a chance to kind of explore were you guys able to like kind of travel around and 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 try to do some stuff or 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 what was the the schedule in your time like
7: yeah yeah i mean we had um uh we we definitely had had time to you know get around it's not that big of a country so um, you know, the baseball took us to a lot of different places, but um, yeah, you know, we tried to get get around um, in Seoul and, and the Capitol and, and see some of the um, historical things and some of the traditional things. Uh, we really enjoyed it.
4: That's excellent. Talking to Mike Talkman from uh, from the Chicago Cubs and from Palatine, I was, um, you know, have you has this always been your approach at the plate, um, or has it evolved? I, I know you've you've always been kind of a a lot of pitches per plate appearance guy. I was reading that during one year with the Yankees, you had the most pitches per plate appearance of anybody on that team. And that's obviously a team that's, you know, a, a, an organization that stresses that. Has that always been the way you've gone about it? Or has that grown throughout your career?
7: Um, I, w- I wouldn't say that it's something that I set out trying to do. Hmm. Um, you know, I I, I try to, make sure that I'm swinging good pitches Um, and especially, um, you know, I want to be aggressive. Like in a a perfect world, I get, you know, a pitch right down the middle to hit, I swing and the at-bat's over, Um, you know, but obviously I think the way that pitching is now, that's not always the case. Guys attack you with really good stuff and it moves a lot. So um, I think trying to be disciplined um, and swinging good pitches is definitely important. Um, and sometimes that can lead to some longer at bats. So.
4: Have Have you seen that approach league wide change? Because yeah, like these days, like if you've got a great slider, you might they might have you throw it more than fifty percent of the time, which is never what it used to be. Have you felt the attack mode change against pitchers these days? Yeah, yeah. Um,
7: you know, I think that first and foremost, I mean, everybody that's up has at least one pitch that's elite. And, um, you know, I know some of the modern theory says that you, if you have that pitch, you should throw it as much as you can. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I do think that, you know, the emphasis on stuff is just so high now. And um, that makes it even more important uh, as, as hitters to, you know, sw- swing at pitches that we, that we can handle
4: talking to Mike Talkman here on 670 the score. Um wanted to ask you if it it's so all right so so the pounder might not have a a lot of lasting uh lasting life. I don't even know if J, if JD or anybody has used it. How about the John Sterling one cuz you are blessed with a John Sterling one uh, as well. Tackman, the Sockman. Did did you enjoy that one? Did people ever come up to you in New York and uh, and bring it to your attention?
7: Yeah yeah um i I wasn't sure about it right away but the guys in the clubhouse really really seemed to love it and that kind of you know that kind of made me love it and um you know it just uh that was a that was a really special group of guys so um you know we we were really really close as a team so with them you know screaming it at me and you know occasionally a random new yorker would say it to me it, it made it fun and it kind of makes it your own and you know obviously john's the best at Coming up, those coming up with those off the cuffs. So it was fun. It, it it turned into something that I ended up really liking.
4: Some really, really good some some good years there in New York. It did what, what made that group special as you were playing there, Mike?
7: Um, I think that the um, the player leadership in the clubhouse really um, kind of established the culture and the expectation, and um, it really got everybody on the same page mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, there was never a question of, you know, what our goal was in the room, and that was, you know, competing for a World Series. And it was just a, it was just a group of guys that just loved to play hard and play with each other, and 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 you know, we we're close off the field too. So you know, that's always kind of adds an extra element there.
4: Who, um, who are the leaders, if you don't mind me asking? Is that? I mean, I see Brett Gardner as an elder statesman on that club. I'm just w- wondering, like, who were the tone setters? Because that's that's super important stuff that a lot of people, a lot of teams don't. I don't get lucky enough to have.
7: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, that was uh, my first year there was Cece Sabathia's last year. Yeah. Um, you know, he he was awesome, an awesome veteran with, the, with everybody, treating everybody well. And yeah, Brett Gardner and, um, you know, Aaron Judge was sort of, felt like he was sort of stepping into a much larger leadership role. And, and, and you know, he was great. And then, you know, you had guys that just, you know, hard hat, lunch pail, punch the clock every day, all those cliches like DJ LeMahieu and stuff like that. It's just like you learn so much from watching great players like that. And, and um, you know, sometimes they don't even have to say much because you just watch and say, okay, this is how it's supposed to be done.
4: Yeah. Um, it, you know, it, it's it, it, it a great run there and then um, some some great – uh, some some good work out of you in in San Francisco. I, I wondered. I, I was thinking about it in, in preparation for the interview, Mike. I'm thinking, are right, what's what's the career highlight? And I'm looking. There was some great, you know, so far, obviously, but so far, like, but the thing that you'll be seventy years old in the rocking chair, and if somebody says, "What you played in the bigs," and you'll say, "You know, I did this one day," because I, I I have a pick, but I wonder what yours would be at this point.
7: Um. I mean, it probably, mine might just be a little bit different just cause it took a while. Like I, I didn't, um, you know, I was, I was up in 2017 and 18 with the Rockies and, and didn't, uh, I didn't get a ton of that bats, but didn't have a lot of success as a hitter. And then when I was in New York, I got to hit, like I hit my first home run against the Red Sox yeah. at Yankee stadium. And, and, and that was, that's probably, that's probably something that no, no, nothing in the moment's ever really going to top that feeling. Um, wow, you know, because that's just something you work so long for, and then when it's something like a, you know, in a game that's seen as you know probably one of the biggest rivalry in sports, like that was, that was a pretty special moment.
4: Yeah, that that is phenomenal. First first career homer in the bigs. In Yankee Stadium against the Red Sox, It probably Trump's the one. I was thinking you robbed Pool of what would have been a walk-off homer to end a game in San Francisco, or, or, or as, as a member of the Giants, right? I mean that that must have mm-hmm. been that, that's you had you had two walk-off or, or two home run robs that week, and you homered that week too. I mean it's like, but but Robin Pool is, is that one is, is that is that towards the top as well?
7: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say so. You know, that was a big. Um, that, that it felt like that was a, a big moment, kind of for for the the team that year. And you don't really think about it like in the moment, um, yeah. but you know, we hadn't beaten the Dodgers yet, and obviously, um, what for the last ten or so years they've kind of ran away with the NLS crown a little bit. Yeah. So it, it was. I think that was. Um, a cool moment to say, Hey, we can play with these guys. And, and we, you know, and then we, we won, we won that game. And, uh, you know, um, obviously with like a, a legend like that to do, to do something against a name like that is yeah. it's pretty cool. And
8: hey,
4: hey Mike, thanks so much for the time and we appreciate it and, and keep killing it. It's been, it's been very fun to watch you at the plate and in the field and, and on the basis too. So thanks so much.
7: Thanks. Appreciate it.
4: All right, you got it. That's Mike Talkman joining us. From the Chicago Cubs, Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run on the Score. Thank you to everybody for listening and for watching, if you did, on the Marquee Sports Network. Uh, Just uh, a a pleasure to do the show today. Cliff Floyd, Mike Talkman, Chris Kampka on the show. Thank you to Sean Sears for the excellent job, as always. Thank you to Leo Stoddard for helping out today. Thanks for Kevin Lapka for helping out on the video stream and the video production. Thanks to everybody at Marquee, and thanks to Mitch Rosen, the executive producer of all things in my heart here at The Score. CBS Sports Radio is next. Cubs baseball coming up later on this afternoon. Pre-game will happen here on the station uh, later on at 4 o'clock. Have a great Sunday, everybody. I'll be back with Danny Parkins and Parkins and Spiegel tomorrow on 670 The Score.